Welcome to the JetRails podcast, supporting you through the airwaves with information about website and e-commerce technology and strategies from design and development to security, marketing, conversion rate optimization, and web hosting. We bring you insights from industry leaders and experts hosted, edited, and published by me, Robert Rand, your friendly neighborhood tech ambassador. Hi, and welcome to an episode of the JetRails podcast. I'm Robert, your host. Today, we're going to be talking about the intersection of e-commerce and freight. Uh, <laughs> we, we know that goods get to us somehow. We know there's a supply chain, but we don't always talk about what's happening there. And for so many businesses that we're transacting in person, uh, including in B2B operations, uh, business to business, there are oversized items. There are items that are sold by the pallet or... Uh, or otherwise uh, in bulk. And this these aren't always things that are going to get delivered by a normal UPS or FedEx truck or, uh, you know, by the post office uh, or, or, you know, around the world, really, uh, by these sorts of more retail delivery operations. Uh, often there's going to be something that's going to go in, in some form of freight truck, whether it's uh, lighter than load LTL or in some other fashion. And so to talk about the ins and outs, including uh, all of the disruption to, <laughs> to uh, supply chains this year, we, we brought in uh, an expert from the Kuhn and Nagel team. Uh, we've got Tony here with us. So, Tony, with no further ado, would you do the honor of introducing yourself? Absolutely. Thank you, Robin. Appreciate it. Um, it's exciting to be with you today. It's, uh, it's an interesting time for, uh, for e-commerce, actually for commerce in general. Uh, some challenging times having to adjust and adapt, you know, so uh, it's very timely having this discussion. I appreciate uh, the time and opportunity. Um, so my name is Tony Charland, uh, and I work with uh, Kuna and Nagel, and we've been uh, in the industry since 1890. Is that uh, so all? <laughs> that's all. That's all. So uh, it is a uh, organization that was started, you know, by our founders, uh, August Kuna and and uh, Frederick Nagel, and that was back in 1890 in uh, Bremen, Germany. Uh, so that they have a long, long history. We, we've been around for a long time, about 130 years uh, of knowledge. Uh, started out more in the, the ocean freight side, and then uh, became a full, uh, you know, full supplier of all modes, including air, ocean, uh, road logistics, and, and contract logistics. Uh, so they, it's... Um, it's 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 got a nice lineage to it. It's got a good story to it. Uh, if if you're ever interested, I I recommend checking it out. They they do a nice job on this on our website. You know, basically giving a nice description of of where the company came from. And uh, they're now based in in uh, Schindelegi, Switzerland. So that's now our headquarters. Um, Interesting. All yeah. right. Well, I I know who to ask for chocolate next time he visits the home <laughs> office. That's you got it. You got it. Uh, so. Uh, what I'd say is, is uh, my my background is uh, LTL transportation, less than truckload, uh, basically something that's not fitting quite in parcel. It's not a small package. It's not a full truckload, but it's somewhere in between. You know, it can be palletized, uh, non-palletized, uh, and that's that's the space that the LTL e-commerce division of Kuhnagel works in. Um, so our division was acquired by Kuhnagel back in uh, 2015 as part of a uh, Retrans acquisition in North America. So Retrans has, has had a, uh, a long, uh, you know, placement in the industry and, and was heavy in intermodal, less than truckload, truckload, 
And uh, this was a nice acquisition for Kunenagel to essentially uh, expand their operations in North America. Um, and I, what I would say is, is for a little while, so back in 2015, we kind of stayed and, and kept our own name. We were known as Retrans for a number of years. Uh, uh, last year, we officially rebranded, you know, over to uh, the Kunenagel name and accepted the uh, LTL e-commerce placard. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a little awkward, unfortunately, because it uh, it doesn't really speak to the fact of, of what we're really doing for many people who maybe aren't industry uh, savvy or aren't involved in transportation. Uh, so it, it, it's a way for us to basically get those heavier products, that stuff, like I said, that falls in between parcel and truckload and get them to an end destination. That's 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 our goal. Um, and that's the space that we've worked in for better than 30 years. We started off in a venture capital environment for a number of years, for, for about two decades, um, and, and, and private ownership prior to that. Uh, during this last acquisition, my opinion, we found our home. Uh, Kunenagel is a uh, large organization that has a very, very strong foundation and uh, looking to, to, to grow uh, in North America. Yeah, and I'm going to pull back to the retrans freight side of things and to that history of the, of the company. The reason that I had been familiar with your team for years had to do with delivery of items from the e-commerce merchant to the end user. And so often that was, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you, often for B2B sites or, you know, people need to deliver a treadmill. They need to deliver a, uh, a surfboard. I don't know, something that you know, just isn't going <laughs> to fit very well. Um, within the normal parameters, whether by size, by weight, or you know, or, or some mix of the two, in, into a traditional uh, shipping or delivery uh, offering, and you know something where it's got to be picked up from you know from some loading dock. There's got to be a or or there's no loading dock, and it needs a lift gate on the truck. You get into all these complications. And one of the major problems that I, I think that, you know, those that have attempted this have found is that there are, you know, pretty specific delivery networks within places like the United States. So if you pick one particular carrier uh, like FedEx Freight or Yellow or, you know, the, the, you could start picking one after the other, they might be better at specific routes or specific uh, meeting specific needs, um, and if you pick the wrong one, <laughs> and basically the the, the price is going to price itself out uh, of the market. That the shopper is never going to say yes to spending, you know, a thousand dollars for what should be a four hundred dollar delivery in most situations. That there's some complication here in getting all this right and getting the the right options into the e-commerce checkout. Um, what have you found the real? Mm, the real alignment is in that sense with the e-commerce market. Is it just getting the right um, the right transportation companies into the checkout and pricing it properly? Are there other kind of you know layers to that that your team has been working with for years? Where is it that you find that merchants usually have the most trouble? Sure, sure. That's actually a great question because I have to say and. I'll kind of be a little bit elusive with that, with the answer, only to open up for a little more dialogue, to be honest. Um, the There's a number of different pain points there's going to be when it comes to heavy transportation. It's not parcel. It's not, you know, a single box that is a certain size, that is a certain weight that gets from point A to point B. 
the characteristics of something in an LTL or a less than truckload environment can be varying, so, so varying. It could be something palletized, as you you know alluded to earlier, something fixed, you know, a 48 by 48 by 48 pallet and very nice and easy to deliver. And maybe it goes from dock to dock and, and, it, and it fits perfectly within an LTL network. That's not really the reality of most freight these days. Um, more often than not, it could be something a little bit oversized and a little bit awkward or something that has certain, you know, dimensional characteristics or, or just heavy, just heavy. It's, it, it, maybe it takes, uh, like you said, a lift gate at the destination or maybe it takes some special handling. Um, so I've got a piano in my head now trying to deliver <laughs> no, that. No, please, no. We don't want it. No more can, piano. Can you lift that up to the to the 10th floor of the building? Is that? <laughs> you know, and th- th- it's actually interesting. So I would say that's probably not in your true LTL space. However, there are, and we do partner with, a number of what is considered final mile or last mile white glove services, where the end destination is a courier that's prepared to do a, a flight of stairs, a, a two or three man delivery or removal of dunnage. And we provide those services. We, we absolutely can, can recommend partners that make sense in that space. Um, I will say that's not the bulk share of what we do. The bulk share of what we do really fits within that space that you spoke about, either a traditional B2B where you're, you're bump, you know, going dock to dock or uh, a, a B2C where you're now delivering it to a consumer. So maybe you do need a lift gate. Maybe you're delivering it, you know, over the threshold at a person's home. Um, you know, those types of things are pretty, pretty normal and regular for us. Um, I will say, you know, our origins really, when you go back, is just LTL transportation. That's who we are. We've lived this space for so many years. So what I would say is, is somewhere around 2005, we, we started embarking on a technology called web services. And that was really for us to kind of bring everything we had from an operational standpoint, be it the rating, be it the visibility of the freight, or be it, uh, you know, audit functions. We tried to consolidate it all into a single, you know, consolidated platform. So we used web services technology to do that. Well, it was interesting. Within about one year, we realized, wow, this is great technology. You know, nowadays they refer, you know, there's different flavors. They refer to APIs, you know, application program interfaces. Um, so those those technologies are are still actively utilized. They've evolved over time, and they have a whole bunch of acronyms that I won't bore you with. But those technologies have really opened up a space to say, let's take this technology that we have that we built for our own organization and expose it out to the general public. Let's allow for, um, you know, shippers. Let's allow for people who are running B2C or purchasing platforms. So everybody's thinking outbound, right? Don't forget about purchasing platforms. There are many purchasing platforms that are multi-manufacturer, multi-distribution that you can purchase from. We're tied into those kinds of platforms as well. So, so like the Arivas and, and that sort of thing where people are doing like a punch out operation and... Uh, yeah, the, the best way I can explain it, we do a lot of business in uh, restaurant equipment. That That's a, a very good space for us. And in restaurant equipment, there are a number of platforms. I, I won't throw too many names out. I, I don't want to uh, <laughs> breach any uh, uh, restrictions or anything like that. But uh, the platforms that are out there that we're tied into, for an example, is maybe I want to go to a single platform. I have a brand new restaurant that I'm opening up, right? 
And what I want to do is I want to be able to say, I need a refrigerator from this company. I need a, a frying, you know, fry later from this company. I need a, a hood vent from this company. And I can build a single purchase order in a single spot, one place. And what we do is we're the, the rating component and the visibility behind that. So what we do is to say, okay, I've got multiple origin points. It's coming from multiple places and going to a single place. And I can cost that out through this platform as a buyer. One single access, create a PO, get the freight and delivered cost of an entire project. I mean, that's exciting stuff. And that's really our origin. You know, it's kind of interesting yeah. that we evolved into the e-commerce space, but our, our origin in this market really was on that purchasing side. Yeah, well, uh, and, so. and it's not even, I know we touched on some of this, but it's not even just the the weight, the origin, the destination, the size. You're also having to factor in, you know, in, in terms of uh, things like lift gates, you know, in, in, in terms of things that, you know, some of that last mile courier uh, kind of need in order to properly deliver or do what has to be done. Um, so I think in some ways it, it can be more complex uh, let alone getting the routes right and figuring out, you know, who's got trucks that are going to, you know, because it's kind of like uh, I've had the experience of if you want to get rent a, a car at one airport and you want to drop it off in another city at another airport when you're done with it, um, depending on which, uh, you know, which rental companies you look at, the price is going to be tremendously different because some of them, they don't want a car up wherever it is. Like, that doesn't help them. Um, so it's figuring out the, the routes a little bit too, giving those sorts of options. Um, in reality, a system like yours about how many different, uh, you know, carriers might you work with in any given year? What, what kind of a network does that wind up looking like? So we, we roughly work with about 15 different partners. Uh, we try to um, consolidate among the partners. Uh, and what that allows for us to do is uh, have predictable uh, behaviors in many cases. Uh, so we try to bring, a, bring an opportunity to the table, commit a certain amount of business so that the carrier knows what are the requirements, how do we need to handle this freight. Uh, we also try, you know, you brought up a good point in terms of picking the right carrier. Uh, in an e-commerce type environment, when you're doing deliveries, let's say to a residence, it's important to try to limit the handling of the of the product, right? And I would say in a traditional um, uh, LTL network, like the larger carriers, you threw some names out earlier, FedEx and et cetera, um, those networks being national in scope have multiple multiple touch points. And, and again, it, it doesn't, you know, it, you don't need to think about it too much to imagine that. It has to have multiple touch points, right? Because you're picking up at a certain spot, you're bringing it to a terminal, you're then directing it towards another destination. Sometimes it has it, it hits what's called a break bulk in the middle, where it's it's kind of like a stopping off point where it consolidates freight to go to another spot. So like a distribution and, and so, center in the middle that you had to reorganize and get the stuff on, you know, so you get it from the East Coast to the West, but now is it going to Washington State or California or Oregon or, you know. You got it. So the, those midpoint break bulks, that's an extra handling step in a, in a national network that's a little bit, makes things a little bit, it's handled more, a better chance of, of damage, obviously. So what we try to do is if we can, if we can position what, we, what are considered regional carriers for our customers, they don't work in that traditional hub and spoke. They have many deliveries that are basically terminal to terminal. So you take that break bulk out of the equation. So 
what we try to do is look at our customers' transportation needs, align the appropriate carriers to remove the amount of handling as much as we possibly can. Now, you know, in an environment where, let's say, it's drop shipments directly from a vendor to the customer, and maybe the distribution person is just a third party, that's a little bit more complex to to build out that kind of regional network. But for, for those that are, say, maybe working on a specific DC, and they have certain distribution centers that are, you know, geographically located, makes perfect sense to align the appropriate regional carriers and only have the national carriers for the the types of transportation that moves, you know, beyond those regional networks. Um, so it, it's interesting. And and just to talk a little bit about the complexity, you're right. I mean, the the liftgate and the residential delivery; those are what's called in the LTL industry accessorial fees, right? And you have to understand what is required to to manage that shipment going from point A to point B. You need to know that at the end destination, there's no dock, that you need to have a lift gate to to lower it down. It's not safe for a driver or somebody to try to muscle this heavy product off of a truck. You need to lower it down nicely to the ground, then, you know, deliver it to the end destination, uh, you know, be it threshold, be it curbside delivery. you know, add into the equation that LTL transportation has what's called a classification, uh, you know, um, component that comes to it, where every product, it's not simply dimensions, it's every product has a classification that's assigned to it by the LTL industry, essentially. They, it's uh, National Motor Freight Bureau, right? Essentially, what they do is they say, okay, this product has a specific density and, and size, typically, and we'll apply this class range to it. And so the most difficult part for a, uh, a B2B or a B2C shipper of heavy products is taking those characteristics, the classification, the origins and destinations, the accessorial things, and making sure that the catalog that you have for your products are aligned with all the appropriate characteristics that are necessary to generate a rate accurately. And that's that's the biggest piece that we really need to tackle day one when you start looking at moving heavy freight in that space. And, and that's something that we specialize in. We have a number of uh, people in, on our team that are uh, very seasoned in, in that national motor freight carrier classification. And we would then work with our customers to try to help them understand what characteristics are most appropriate for their catalog and the SKUs that they're shipping. Yeah. And so I think we've covered some of the background I'm excited to talk about some of the things that have been changing and evolving in the last year or so, obviously, uh, as everyone overuses the word, it's unprecedented. So we've seen evolution. Let's start with some of those residential deliveries and uh, more of that direct to consumer, because I imagine that there's been an an increase in that segment, uh, if I'm right, (laughs) because people that would have been buying in person, people that would have been uh, shopping locally, picking up themselves, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, that the, there's been an increase uh, in the move online and that in many cases, that's probably pushed direct to consumer brands, re, you know, retailers to, uh, to take product that would have been sold through other channels, uh, brick and mortar or, or otherwise, and to offer it directly through the web. Have you seen more product flowing that way? Uh, do you have examples of, of products that uh, that align well with that sort of a process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So what I would say is, is there's really two areas that we've seen personally uh, or experienced with our customers. Um, the definitely the B2C has increased, um, but I would say equally so, uh, your pickup at store has really gone gone pretty grown pretty significantly. Uh, so you know, let's say example of a of a treadmill that that maybe you would normally go into a, a store and acquire and then just take home with you, you know, boxed. Well, maybe now you're placing the order online, but instead of getting a direct delivery to your home, you say, okay, I'd like to go pick that up at the store. So you're still not going into the the store in many cases. You can do pick up the curb and all of these other you know um, ways of handling it and. We're still involved in that because, you know, that has to come from either a DC or something in many cases because they're not stocking that much product right in the store, you know, especially because it's very difficult to predict, you know, where, where are we going to now see pockets of purchases and especially when it's coming from an online type of channel, right? Um, so, and then equally so, we've seen that traditional B to C type of uh, uh, purchase where, yeah, the customer just wants to deliver directly to the home. So, that then pushed into that space that we talked about a little bit earlier, which is more of that that white glove and some some of those uh, more specialized services where maybe yeah. a courier I mean, is required. Even without the courier or the white glove, I imagine the price usually just goes up because it's residential. As you were saying that, that you know you're being assessed extra fees because who really wants to take that truck down those narrow streets? Try to find parking for that truck. Yeah. Uh, you know, try to deal with whatever you know, limited space to to drop off and deliver and catch somebody while they're home or anything like that. It, it's got to be uh, at that point, more trouble um, and probably not something that you can, in most cases, just leave at the doorstep, uh, like a small Amazon package, uh, that at that point, you probably need someone to be there to sign for it to accept it. Yeah, the, the appointment deliveries are definitely a challenge for an LTL carrier, or a traditional LTL carrier. Uh, I will say, though, and you know, this goes back to we talked a little bit earlier about the regional carriers. The regional carriers now have actually tried to adapt a little bit. And what they do is, is instead of having that, that large 53 foot you know, truck coming down the residential drive, um, they are investing in um, box trucks, smaller box trucks. And they're uh, also what, what's nice about that is, is the, the uh, driver now does not need to be a, uh, a CDL uh, approved driver, which you have to have special licensing to drive those 53 footers. You don't have to have special license to drive a box truck. So now you can get somebody that is over the age of 18. So they don't have to be 21, which is CDL, you have to be 21, right? So now you can get somebody over the age of 18 and they don't have to have any special licensing and they can make that delivery on a box truck. And the so if they could rent a U-Haul, they, they could go and, <laughs> and I mean, do this, it's handle true. this it's delivery. True. But but yeah. the regional carriers are making pretty significant investments in buying, you know, expanding their box truck fleet uh, fleets. Uh, I don't see that as much on the on the national side, but I'd, I'd imagine as as we push more and more towards these types of deliveries, that's going to happen over time. Um, you know, I, I, I wish I could put my prognosticator hat and tell you exactly when, but uh, but it's going to have to evolve. Well, that's I'm going to demand an exact date here, but <laughs> uh, yeah. And so let's shift to the other side of, of the market to where I think there's been m more uh, chaos uh, <laughs> getting the goods in that B2B delivery chain, uh, getting them from the manufacturer, the distributor, um, 
you know, whatever form of wholesaler down to uh, to the retailer, down to whoever is going to be ultimately selling those goods to the end user. You know, I in in the, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen the Suez Canal <laughs> closed up with a, sh- a ship that some rough seas, uh, some rough, rough weather uh, got lodged in a very uh, unfortunate position. I think that's now uh been addressed but you know there are goods that are out have been out at sea probably a little too long <laughs> um and will continue to be as as they uh catch up to the backlog and um and that's a bit of a mess uh certainly that's not the first major issue in the last year plus uh <laughs> it's maybe some icing on the cake i hope so i hope that's it um, I, I hope, you know, supply chains normalize more and more. But what has it been like on your side of the fence? Because there must have been a point where people were just frantic about moving goods and maybe some of them still are. Uh, what has the uh, the impact been for a company like yours? Absolutely. Um, the LTL industry specifically, I know you were talking a little bit about ocean and and those do have a ripple effect, but typically there's a delayed that has a delayed impact on, on the road transportation piece, uh, not not so much uh, an immediate impact. Uh, so we'll be we'll be feeling the effect of that 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 shift probably a month from now <laughs> in, in reality. Um, but the LTL industry has really really taken a hit uh, over the past. It, it started probably I want to say July August timeframe where you know they took a big dip obviously right at the time when when the pandemic first kind of hit. North America, uh, where volumes just went completely flat. There was, there was everybody was begging for freight. They were looking for ways to keep their drivers, you know, working, keep all of their employees working, uh, and that, that really only lasted for about two months. You know, that was really your April and May, uh, and then and then June kind of normalized a little bit, and then by the time you hit August, it started going like cra- growing like crazy. It was amazing, um, and it hasn't stopped. Because we've got so many, so many things that people probably don't consider when you think about uh, uh, moving a product that that is, you know, not a full truck, move it and not quite parcel. It, there, there's a bunch of different things that have caused issues on getting it from um, where we were at, at the pandemic stage to where we are now, where it's just too much freight to be had. So let's start with with the first catalyst that that happened last year. Many, many people, obviously, you're not traveling, your vacations are postponed, you're, 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 home, you're, you're, you're at home for the most part, right? So guess what? I did it. I'm sure you did it. I got a project at home that I want to tackle. All right, I'm going to have a staycation. I need to buy this. I need to buy that to handle my project. I'm going to do some painting. I'm going to maybe put, put, up, put up an addition. I'm going to do something at home to take those resources that I might have used at a vacation and, and use it at your home. And then what am I going to do with this stimulus money? Well, maybe I'm going to make an acquisition. And that's happening. That had been happening over and over again. So that all by itself wouldn't have been enough to push the LTL industry into a crazy space. So let's make it a little more interesting. FedEx and UPS, they decide that, you know what? Our networks are flush too. We're now going to lower the weight limit of what we're going to handle within our networks. So I believe at some point they lowered it to say 75 pounds roughly that they would handle. And then obviously a certain dimensional characteristic. And now guess where that freight is going to go? Into the LTL space. Let's make it worse. Let's start talking about the heavy freight. 
truckload capacity had issues. And buyers now are not stocking as much. They're trying to, you know, deliver as much and keep the the the, the, the levels at a reasonable level of, of active stock. And so when you look at that, what happens? Now I'm not ordering a full truck. I'm ordering a partial truck or an LTL. So now you've got freight coming from the truckload coming down. Okay. Put all of those components together, add some bad weather in, in you know, uh, February, and you have networks that are in Greenlock. And that is where we kind of find ourselves today. And uh, to quote one of my uh, my carrier relationships, the gentleman that's been in the industry a number of years, and uh, I really rely on him for a lot of insight. And his phrase was, everyone, we're in the second inning right now of this. There's going to be more time where capacity is going to be the biggest challenge that we have. And what that does, it will probably stabilize most of the customers, our customers that are already in the market, it makes new entrants into the market a bit challenging. You need to be able to find capacity. You need to be able to align with partners, which now is what's happening. I'm sure you've read some of the articles. It's now pushing some of that freight more into the final mile, even if it's not a true final mile type delivery. So now that industry is getting an influx of, of freight. So Interesting dynamics, in, interesting, you know, whirlwind of, of, of things occurring all at the right perfect storm, right? Yeah, well, perfect storm. And it gets difficult because how much hiring do you want to do? How much equipment do you want to buy? How well can you predict what demand is going to be in a year, two years or three years? Is every, you know, are a lot of people going to go back to more traditional modes of shopping and, and shopping channels, you know, brick and mortar and otherwise? Um, will the economy slow down? You know, we're right now, uh, at least in the United States, there's stimulus money. There's, um, you know, people getting back to work. There's a lot of good things happening for the economy. But <laughs> I mean, I think what we've all learned uh, is that none of us can really predict all that much uh, about, you know, exactly the, those ebbs and flows. So I imagine that that's tough on the industry. We saw you know, companies that were making things like toilet paper say, look, if, you know, we can, you know, run the machines round the clock and we can, you know, spin up some extra, you know, uh, some, some, some extra lines in the factories and do some other things. But at some point, you know, how much do you want us to put out in the market? And then then what do we do when everybody's <laughs> up, to, and up to their ears and, and toilet paper at home? It isn't going to buy any more for a year. And we've got all these, you know, all, this whole supply that keeps funneling out. Like they have to try to predict a little bit um, and, and not uh, flood the market in an unhealthy way. Um, and I imagine that it's at some point, you know, the same for some of these companies that they want to bring more trucks on and they want to bring more drivers on and they want to solve the problems and, and they'd like to service everybody that comes knocking on their doors. But, uh, you know, the, the, everyone... And every industry has a limit to how fast they and how high they want to scale up for uh, for something that uh, they can't fully predict. I mean, for all we know, <laughs> look, you know, we, I keep seeing things about self-driving vehicles and trucks uh, and, and all sorts of changes to the market. So I guess, you know, in, in investment is always a question. Absolutely. I can't see I, 10 I, years out. 
Yeah, I, I will say, I mean, it, it's clear that many of the carriers, uh, the LTL carriers are making investments in their organizations, uh, opening up new terminals, expanding in markets that, you know, need, need uh, they, they, I think they, the term that, that's used quite uh, regularly, uh, I need drivers, I need docks, I need doors, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and those are the things that make the LTL industry uh, uh, move, you know? Um, and they're at a point right now where, it takes, it probably takes, I want to say 18 months to two years to try to at really truly create a brand new terminal at a, at a particular uh, location. Um, so your expansion needs to be predicted well in advance. So some carriers were predicting that. I can tell you that a number of the regionals were making expansions, you know, two, even, even, you know, four and five years ago and are now pay, it's paying dividends because they're getting the benefit of that. But to now say I need to expand is really an 18 month to two year proposition. Yeah. <laughs> so knowing that it's not like you're moving on a dime. <laughs> not, not yeah, you, you don't know if by the time that you're done with that move, if it was the best move or not, especially, you know, markets change even locally. I, I've seen a lot more and I think that this is a predictor in, in a good way. Um, a lot more distribution centers opening um, f- under lots of different flags <laughs> here uh, locally in my neck of the woods, uh, whether that's Amazon or whether that's, you know, just uh, a 3PL or some other kind of distribution center or, um, you know, just a lot of warehousing um, to to warehouse and move uh, and, and organize goods. Um, I think one of the the interesting things that people sometimes don't think as much about as it relates to this is that consumers now have an expectation that the end goods will get to them for most orders in a day or two, right? You know, that they they don't plan to wait a week or two or more um, for most things, especially where supply chains are normalized and uh, and they're not, in, you know, in, in the middle of waiting for, <laughs> for, for something that got stuck on a container ship uh, in, in the Suez. But the that probably creates uh, some interesting effects within you, the networks that you work with. Because I imagine that instead of taking containers and getting them all into one warehouse where they'll be shipped to shoppers all around the country, that at that point, these things need to go to local warehouses in different regions where they can be delivered uh, you know, by UPS or FedEx or what have you in a day or two. Yes. I mean, if, if you look at the behavior, and, and it's, it's what we've tried to do for a number of years, the, the way we kind of, there's a little tagline that we use quite often where it says... Uh, We'd like to give the uh, LTL industry the, the parcel experience that people are used to and the, that people expect. Um, you know, it, it is the the uh, accuracy of what the cost is going to be. It's the visibility of the transportation of the product in, in movement and uh, trying to align the expectation of uh, receipt of your goods and, and making sure that you understand, you know, what that time timeline is. But what I will say is, is that we're making inroads and we're trying to at least create that transparency for the end buyer so that they understand what's happening with their purchase. Um, and I think that honestly is really the biggest thing. And I think interesting, we've kind of seen a little bit of a change, although, you know, the Amazon type purchases that you see in the next day delivery and second day delivery. A lot of those on the small products are, are definitely still, you know, happening. There has been a little bit of a backlash, though, where you see consumer behavior say, you know what, if I can get this at a lesser cost, I might wait an extra day or two. So 
I, I have a feeling you're going to see a little bit of an evolution there in terms of trying to realign expectations and keeping the costs under control. Because let's face it, if we continue with one and two day deliveries, somebody's got to pay for it. <laughs> and, and, and guess what? It's usually us. It's usually the consumers. Yeah, that, you know, it's whether you're paying for it uh, in a subscription once a year that increases that, you know, that those prices go up, whether you're paying for it. And the cost of the goods because, <laughs> you know, the, the price of the goods go up because they're making less on shipping and more on uh, the, uh, the actual item. It, it comes somewhere. There's always um, or in some cases, I don't know, I, I, I don't think that this uh, not well educated enough in it, but I, I don't think that this is the most subsidized industry. But, you know, whether it's subsidies for fuel or other things that help keep prices down, like something's the money comes from somewhere. Uh, there's always a money trail, uh, you know, I, when it comes to, you know, thinking about some of those, those bigger issues, including government. Um, I know when we talk, I mean, you know, Kuna Nagel is huge and global. Um, when we talk more about, uh, you know, LTL and what have you, we're talking about trucks. <laughs> and so uh, trucks don't typically go across the ocean. Uh, that, that would be a fun one, but do you deal uh, at in your division with uh, things that go over uh, international borders, for instance, between the U.S. and Canada? Um, do you deal with any of those restrictions and uh, and regulations and changes to, to how those things are going? Um, has that added any kinks <laughs> into the works uh, in more recent times? Yeah. So hey, thank you. That's a good question. Uh LTL e-commerce group of Kuninagel is, as you said, primarily focused on that. It's the truck. It's it's the the less than truckload shipment. Uh, our our footprint, you know, of service it really covers domestic U.S. Uh, and, and heavy heavy in U.S. to cross border Canada in either direction, inbound or outbound into Canada. Um, I would say that the regulations really haven't been an issue for us. Uh, the, the relations between U.S. and Canada and, and the practices of, um, uh, you know, taking freight across the border, it, it's, it's pretty streamlined and it has been. Now, that's not to say that we didn't see disruptions last year when, you know, when things kind of went crazy and you weren't sure who could go where and who could travel where and all of those complexities that you felt in your personal life, you know, where, you know, you, you kind of felt restricted on travel. Well, you know, the transportation industry felt the same thing, obviously. Um, but as things kind of became a little bit more understood and, and we tried to get a better understanding of how, you know, the, the virus is moving and how that is all happening, that all changed, you know. And so that way, it, it's not as bad as what it was a little while ago, you know, during the, the heat of the pandemic when there were so many questions, you know. Yeah. Um, and well, I, what I would say is, is you know, for us, a, a good expansion that we're uh, working on right now is is intra Canada as well. I will say there's not a lot of um, transportation players that are automating the uh, the transportation component uh, in intra Canada uh, hmm. in terms of having accurate tariffs like we do in the U.S. So our our, our tariffs and 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 um, and rate bases that we use to cost out transportation covers U.S. and then cross-border Canada. It does not cover intra-Canada, which is kind of unique. So that puts a bit of a challenge. So we're working hard at normalizing that so that we can start expanding into uh, shipments intra-Canada. All right. I mean, 
Maybe it's a good time for uh, for those that del- that carry these sorts of items that need LTL uh, here in the states to uh, you know to warehouse some of the goods up there and look as long as you don't mind being paid in maple syrup and hockey pucks and <laughs> no, no, no we, uh, hey some, listen, some of family, our, our favorite partners my family's from Canada come on yeah. Robert <laughs> all right so it was a little close to home what could I tell <laughs> no I I miss getting to go up to uh to, to Canada for trade shows and certainly some of our favorite partners are up there Absolutely. in the e-commerce industry and um I I think we could use more neighbors like Canada. So, <laughs> and I'm down in I, Florida, I so I'm really I'm at the I, other edge. I, I didn't take it personal. It's okay. I, I am a Canuck, but I didn't take it personal. <laughs> well, I mean, if that's how I know that you're a Canuck <laughs> because you didn't take it personally. Uh, well, at this point, um, you know my, uh, you know I, I've probably lost my five American listeners somewhere along the way, and now I've I've lost all ten of the Canucks that still enjoyed uh, the podcast. So, um, you know, to the uh, the couple of people um, that don't speak English that are still listening, um, whatever country you're you're tuned in from, <laughs> thank you for uh, for staying with us. Um, before we officially wrap it up, um, Tony, do you have anything that we didn't cover that you think is is really important to share. I mean, I know, uh, you know, KNN, Kuna Nagel is, is huge. Um, any wisdom from the larger organization or things that you've been experiencing in your division or um, any additional prognostication, <laughs> any, uh, anything really impactful or, or cool stories from the last year that you think uh, should hit the airwaves? Yeah. I, I mean, that's a tall water, Robert. I got to tell you, I, I, uh, I always have stories. I don't know if you want my stories, but in terms of the the industry, it's 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 been a challenging time. You know, it's been it's as you said, unpre- unprecedented, unpredictable, uh, and, and unfortunately, I, I would say we're probably still in that mode. You know, so what we look for with our with our partners and with our customers, um, patience. You know, we we need to get through this together. When 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 things like you know, unprecedented, uh, you know, capacity issues arise or when, uh, you know, I know with, uh, with our ocean, you know, um, containers, in many cases, there's, there's two, three week delays just sitting out in the, in the ocean waiting to dock. Um, you, you have to have a little, a little patience and, and sometimes a little creativity on how to solve some of those problems, uh, and, and how to deal with those challenges, you know. And I will say that, you know, the approach that, that Kuninagel is taking is to, to try to work with our customers as best we can, because we, we know, we know how frustrating it is when, you know, you've got products that your customers are waiting for that you need to get, you know, brought in and that, that distribution network because of a storm or because of some unforeseen event, uh, it, it can drive you crazy. It's maddening. And we understand that, you know, it's maddening for us as well. We feel the pain. We really do. Um, and, and so a, a little patience, a little cooperation and, and, and working together with our, with our partners and our customers. That's, that's really the, the, the key to, I think, succeeding in this environment. Um, I think I we've seen helps. some of the same in, in web hosting that, uh, you know, well, we've had times where, uh, you know, there have been so many players trying to grow capacity so much where we've had to say, uh, you know, look, <laughs> we're, we're going to schedule the spin up of this for next week. I mean, you know, we provide a white glove service, so we're going to make sure that everything's really optimized, configured, that everything's done right. 
And at some point, that means um, that, you know, we don't, we believe in everything being done by the A team, right? It's, <laughs> you know, it, it sometimes you need to, to have those levels of patience to get it done right. Um, you know, and, and I think that most people, when they have that kind of conversation, uh, they'll work with it because, you know, something that I learned years and years ago in my agency experience, you know, when I first started in, in digital agency, it was also dealing with traditional printing and that sort of thing. And look, you know, whatever that printed item was, whatever that, you know, that flyer, brochure, business card, uh, banner, whatever, whatever it was, it was always a rush. And there were two things that would happen. One, we'd sit waiting for them to pick it up. And it would, after we rushed and rushed, it would sit. Um, two, <laughs> they rushed so much that they didn't proofread it. The phone number was wrong or some other key piece that we couldn't have possibly known what was incorrect. Uh, you know, what, what, you know, there was some typo somewhere. And there was all, somehow magically, there was always time for a reprint. <laughs> There was it was such a rush, but there was oh no 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 okay get it you know we'll get the reprint from you in in a couple of days no problem so you know when people do step back they can usually plan effectively uh, I think that there is really something to that in the world of course we all want everything yesterday who wouldn't but uh, th that's where partners come in that's where relationships come in that that's where you get to understand what's what's actually happening and why something is either reasonable or maybe in your best interest to get it from the right carrier in the right uh, in the right way, um, rather than rush and have a little bit more um, let's let's say <laughs> unknown in the mix, a little bit more risk. Absolutely, I might even add, if you don't mind, you know, if I could speak to, I'm not sure how many true LTL shippers I've got in my audience, but. Uh, to, to those that are shipping in the LTL industry and are, you know, dealing with some of those challenges, my suggestion, my, 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 I'm, I'm pleading, not even a suggestion, I'm pleading, um, be a good partner. I'll tell you in a space, uh, right now that is over capacity, uh, the carriers are just as frustrated. Remember now there, there's a driver at the end of this that's overworked, that's put in too many hours. There are dock workers that are working weekends and, and overtime to try to you know, clear up the networks. Um, being a good partner and, and trying to work with the, the carrier to, to deliver your goods, that right now is the best thing that you can do for your organization. I, and I mean, I, I know it sounds so uh, a little too touchy-feely, but it's really not. Uh, you, there are ways that you can be a good partner with your, uh, with your carrier uh, supplier. And, and, and it will pay dividends. I, I'm telling you it will. Um, so, and if that, if that's something you're looking to do, that's something we do every day. That's what we look to accomplish for our customers. That way they, when we hit these types of, uh, these, uh, markets where things go crazy and, and go sideways, um, we can provide some reliability and consistency, you know? Well, and history tells me that when you're good to a vendor consistently, when the proverbial hits the fan, <laughs> you know, at that point, you'll usually find that you've made good friends and, uh, you know, that, that they'll really be there to do as much as they physically can for you in a tight spot. And Absolutely. so I, I do think that relationships and in industries uh, like yours really do have an impact. Uh, I've seen it time and again. Um, 
Well, Tony, this was a pleasure. Uh, I think <laughs> we definitely uh, educated the masses today a lot on what's been going on in the LTL space. Uh, I, I hope that we have you again in the future and that, uh, you know, we see some cool new tech <laughs> and, uh, and we see more capacity and things are really normalized and um, and th- things are, are really cooking along. But uh, thank you for, for coming on board today. And uh, as always, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll have more great content like this for you in the very near future. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy and happy selling. Thanks for listening to the JetRails podcast. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We also post full videos of most episodes on the JetRails YouTube and Facebook channels. You can find links at jetrails.com forward slash podcast. Have questions about an episode? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover in the future? We're at JetRails on LinkedIn and Twitter. Do you want to sponsor this podcast? Sorry, but we're committed to ad-free listening. We are, however, always looking for guests that our listeners will benefit from. And don't forget to like the podcast on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It's a small ask, but it's a big help. We appreciate it. And more importantly, we appreciate you.